Hello, good morning, good afternoon. You are listening to episode 47 of the It's a Monkey podcast. Today is Friday, the 3rd of October, and as usual, I have James Peter with me. Hello, James. Hey, Chelsea, how's it going? Good, thank you. And what you'll also notice is Kevin Garver is not with us today, um, so I will be jumping in um, during his leave. And um, my name is Chelsea, and I believe you may have heard me on some previous podcasts before. Um, it's, uh, it's party time without Kevin. We can, we can go crazy. Yeah, should we just like totally go nuts and not, you know, let's talk yeah, about maybe. something totally off topic. <laughs> maybe we should try like some alternative podcasting styles. like Start rapping, maybe? Yeah, start some... rapping, or maybe we just just play some noise, you know, like the modern, like you know, how no, like just background noise, but a daft like, punk, hits some pants, that kind of stuff. Yeah, some daft punk. Contemporary, yeah. I like it. <laughs> I think we're onto something here. <laughs> we'll see how we go. <laughs> Thanks to everyone that's listening. Um, as normal, please uh, feel free to tweet us at Monkey Podcast. Um, also, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. I find it really helpful when I subscribe to podcasts on iTunes because it automatically downloads on my iPhone. Um, rate us on iTunes, email us. I'll put some links in the description. And also, you can like us on a Facebook page, so I'll put all those links within um, the description below. So as normal, we'll be covering the tech news, and we also have an interview today with uh, the co-founder of a female fitness app called Zova. So we'll get into that a little bit down the track. Um, but as usual, um, we'll get cracking into the tech news. James, what's been happening over the last uh, fortnight? Um, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Um, I mean, one of the most interesting things for me that's popped up is, um, well, for a lot of people, is this um, bash vulnerability. Um, it's been called shell shock. Um, and so um, we had um, we had a vulnerability, I think it was a couple of months ago or about a month ago, called Heartbleed. Do you, do you remember hearing yeah, about that one, Chelsea? I do remember hearing about Heartbleed. So that vulnerability was to do with SSL, which is sort of the way your browser kind of communicates securely, you know, if you're doing banking or mm. any information you don't want to be able to sort of sit in with. Um, whereas this um, vulnerability was actually discovered in Bash. So what Bash is, is it's a bit like... Um, do you know what DOS is? Like, MS-DOS? Does that yeah, have, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that so, brownie points to me. <laughs> so, so how DOS was kind of like the, uh, on Windows, is kind of like the underlying layer of the, um, that sort of runs a lot of the operating system, at least on older versions of Windows. Um, so you have various layers of sort of technology in, um, in sort of modern web servers and Linux servers. Um, and, and one of the, programs that's been around for a long time that a lot of programmers depend on is it's called bash um it's, it means born again shell but it basically it's the way you kind of interface with the computer um there, there are lots of different ways you can do it but, but bash is one of the most popular ways mm. um and yeah somebody discovered a vulnerability in it um and the problem with this vulnerability is is that it's um because so many things run Bash and so many things interface with it, um, it's really very far-reaching. In fact, this vulnerability is probably way, way worse than, than the Heartbleed one. Um, 
I think it's a little bit harder to communicate, which is probably why I've heard less about it in the news. Okay. Yeah. But um, the thing is with this is that it's um, the the heart bleed vulnerability was kind of isolated to sort of relatively limited situations and it was quite hard to exploit. And um, even though it was to do with secure communication, it was, it was still, yeah, quite limited, I guess, in some respects. So the interesting thing about this vulnerability is um, because it's been running for so long and because so many different things depend on... Um, depend on Linux and depend on running layers which include Bash um, and vulnerable versions of Bash. Um, you know, many different devices can be affected, um, not only sort of your home computer, but also your router, potentially even some phones um, can be affected, maybe even your fridge if it runs, you know, mm -hmm. a, a Linux platform. So, wow. um, yeah, this thing is really far-reaching um, because it does affect um, Linux. It obviously affects a lot of um, web servers as well. This is what a lot of, um, you know, web servers use you know we definitely use that for all of our systems um so uh yeah it means lots and lots of computers online are vulnerable um, in all kinds of different ways as well um so it is incredibly far-reaching yeah. um and the bad consequence of it is is that it does mean basically means that um if people can access this vulnerability they can actually get kind of complete control over that that device or that computer so you know if it was in the case of a router you know somebody could be sitting there and have complete you know view of all the traffic you're you're doing when you're browsing the web they can control your entire internet connection and and in terms of web servers you know people could do you know huge targeted malicious attacks that could steal customers data there's tons and tons of stuff to tons tons many ways that people could use this vulnerability right and have they had have they had any sort of evidence to show that this has happened before or someone has taken advantage of this vulnerability? So there's there's no evidence so far that it's been taken advantage of before, but there's definitely plenty of evidence it's being taken advantage of now. Um, so if people aren't actually patching it, um, you know, basically people are running scans now across the whole internet to detect servers that haven't been patched and then, um, and then exploit them using this vulnerability because it is so easy to detect and exploit. Um, at least in a, in a straightforward way. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, if, if somebody may have been able to exploit this vulnerability in the past, and they probably would have been doing it in a way that we don't necessarily recognise, so it would be quite hard to tell sort of historically. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely, it's a huge issue now and going forward into the future. Um, it seems like the release of information was a little bit stuffed up as well. Like, usually um, the information gets sort of... Um, slowly pushed out to vendors and people have a little bit, bit of time to sort of patch it up and, um, and work on it before it gets a wide public release. But it sounds like a lot of information was released a little bit early and that caused a whole, huge sort of, um, uh, you know, problem with people not being able to update things fast enough and there wasn't sort of a real proper patch available. Um, in fact, even right now, there's, there's still some ways it can be exploited that there isn't a patch available for. So... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really an ongoing issue mm. um, and I don't think we've really seen sort of the impact of it, of it yet. I think it will start playing out over the next week or so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you really want to make sure that if you are using any service, you kind of rely, you, you trust them to have been updated and to be working correctly and um, and all that kind of stuff and make sure you use different passwords or different websites and do all that, that good stuff as well. So. so would you suggest to, you know, all the listeners um, that it would be a good idea to refresh passwords to contact, you know, an IT administrator and um, ensure that everything's um, backed up and secure or has had the security patch? 
Yeah, look, I mean, the trouble with the situation currently is it's still a bit fluid, like it still isn't completely resolved. So if you, I mean, you can go ahead and update your passwords now, but you should probably still update them again in another month, mm. um, particularly for anything you want to keep secure or it's important to you, um, then, yeah, you definitely definitely want to go ahead and update it a few times. Um, but, yeah, if you do do things that require you to be, you know, super um, careful about your connection, your privacy, you probably want to stay off the internet for a few months <laughs> would be my <laughs> suggestion. Um, so, yeah, it's, it isn't um, – it is a bad time, actually. It's, um, it's, it's got quite a wide, wide-ranging impact. So, yeah, we'll just see, see how, how it goes. Um, so, yeah, it obviously caused a lot of time for anybody sort of working on, um, you know, websites and managing servers. You know, I know mm. it caused quite a lot of issues for us over the past week um, in the websites we manage. Wow. I mean, we managed to get all of our – if you are a managed Flutter user, you don't have to worry. We were patched almost instantly. Um, <laughs> and we weren't really particularly vulnerable because of the way our system is set up. You know, there was no data that would, would have been possible to – extract um so we, we were pretty good but yeah no it does mean an awful lot of work and just a lot of ongoing sort of maintenance um for lots of it professionals over the next yeah. we'll create some new jobs at least that's a positive end yeah 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 always always good in that sense now um i recently um discovered um you know, having a look at over the last sort of week in the tech news, a new uh, social network. Have you heard of Allo? Uh, no, not, not before today, no. So Allo is um, primarily taking off um, worldwide. Uh, it is a social network that will not sell ads or any of your data. Um, it's particularly uh, popular with the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community because they like to use their, um, you know, their their, their names or um, like Twitter, like you don't have to necessarily use your real name. Um, I think it's particularly interesting because I thought, well, how would a social media network like this monetize? But the, the route that they've chosen to go down is releasing particular features and um, selling those features for a small fee. And um, by no means do you have to buy these features, but they're certainly there um, and available. What are your thoughts on, on Allo, James? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, I've been taking a look at it um, since you mentioned it today. Um, it's definitely... Um, a different take on social networking. I mean, it's very, very new and it's not very feature complete. Um, mm. And it's much more like Tumblr, I think, than than, than it is like Facebook or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting take. It seems to be very sort of, um, uh, I don't know, image focused or it's kind mm. of like Tumblr where you got kind of the mix of sort of short content and then pictures and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I think, I think the whole concept of, um, of having alternatives to Facebook where, where you don't rely on a business model that, that, you know, involves selling your personal information. I think that, I think that's great. Um, and, you know, because Facebook does sell your personal information, they do have to be, you know, do have to impose a certain level of censorship. You know, they do have to be sort of, um, I guess not completely respectful for, you know, different communities, which is, I think is partly why, you know, it sounds like LO is taking off because, you know, Facebook does have some policies around the LGBT um, community, which, you know, is obviously affecting them and, um, you know, they don't feel comfortable at Facebook. So having another 
uh, another platform that doesn't rely on selling the information that can be, you know, much more, you know, can be much more accommodating to them. I think that's great. So, yeah, yeah no, it looks, looks really cool. Have you actually been using the service? Well, you, you need to receive an invite. So it's invitation only. Um, but what really captured me is um, what they say on their webpage. And I've got it in front of me. And, and the way that they sort of market themselves is um, almost like, a direct competitor and they light the other social media networks as is you know um they say quote unquote your social network is owned by advertisers and then they go on to say every post you share every friend you make and every link you follow is tracked recorded and converted into data advertisers buy your data so they can show you more ads you are a product that's bought and sold so it's very sort of, <laughs> it's almost like a scare tactic um, that they're using there because it made me think twice. I thought, goodness, I didn't realize, you know, my data is sold and I, I should probably be more aware about what I share about myself to, to these social media networks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's actually, you know, it's a concept that, um, you know, I, I actually care quite a lot about and Kevin and I actually talk about it quite a bit as well. I mean, it's it's also, you know, it just goes around, it goes down to the business model that you, that you use when you use an online service. Um, you know, in the past, I've, I've had businesses that, that did rely on sort of advertising models and, yeah, I, I just never was completely comfortable with that. You do end up, um, you know, selling, you know, some part of your users, you know, mm. that's the way you make money um, in ways that aren't completely transparent. Um, and, yeah, having having a model where you can actually sell something to your users rather than selling your users, I think is a much better way to go about, about these things. So I think it's fantastic if, you know, if they can take off and, um, and do a good job. I mean, there's been a been a few attempts um, at doing this kind of stuff, um, at, at going for the paid product. I mean, there's the, I think it's the app.net ecosystem that was going for sort of a different approach where sort of developers would pay for integrating with it and users would pay a little bit, but they were sort of non, non-advertised focused. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, it, I think everybody who's tried it so far has sort of failed for one reason or another, even they weren't weren't sort of, um, you know, cool enough or whatever. They couldn't get the community vibe going um, or they've ended up selling out. I mean, that that is obviously, you know, something there's there's no guarantee that LO wouldn't at some point sell out um, because, um, you know, the advertising pool, I mean, the reason why so many companies do go down that route is you can make an awful lot of money when you do have a large audience. Um, mm. And so it may be very hard for them to sort of... It's um, very tempting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, maybe hard for them. But if, if this is sort of quarter their mission and quarter what they're doing, then then also it would be hard to you know to get all their users. So imagine imagine that Ello selling themselves to an advertiser, and everyone's going, hold on a minute. Well, I mean, the way they do it obviously is a, it's a progressive thing. Like you mm. know, it's how Facebook has kind of changed over the years, and how they sort of changed the defaults and their privacy settings and stuff, and you know. Obviously, companies start out with a certain um, vision in mind, and then as reality hits them and they have to start sort of, you know, well, making and, money and paying people, they start <laughs> sacrificing. Yeah, I mean, it made me think, was that Facebook's initial goal? Were they thinking, hey, let's get 100 million users and let's sell their data? Like, I wonder if that's something <laughs> that was always the core, like, um, the, the core goal in starting the company, not, yeah. not to exchange information and having a social network. 
Yeah, look, I, I never think it's a company's goal, but obviously it's just, you know, the way you see things, where these things pan out. I mean, you kind of start out with, you know, a company paying you a little bit of money so that you can put a little ad somewhere on your site and some people mm-hmm. click through and then you discover you can kind of get better at producing those ads if you can target it a bit better and you can sell that data to the businesses and then you can kind of build this ad platform where you can make even more money, where people bid for different users' data and, yeah, it gets very... It's only it's sort of small little steps, but you do end up with this quite um, you know complex monstrosity that really does involve sort of selling users' data. So and it's very hard um, to go back, isn't it? Once you're in, you're, you're, you there's no way out. Yeah. So I mean that that's great. I mean it's great that there's sort of some alternatives to that ecosystem. Um, you know I really hope they do well. Um, as I was just reading now, it's quite interesting. So it says, um, I was just reading this article on TechCrunch about Elo. It says, Elo was conceived by a team led by Paul Bunditz, a 47-year-old artist and maker of designer toys. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting, coming yeah. from a different bent, a little bit older as well. looks like quite a young site, so um, young target demographic. So it's quite interesting he's managed to pull this off. Another point I found particularly unusual is they're not only ad-free, but they're porn-friendly. I wonder what yeah. porn-friendly means. Uh, so, go to Tumblr and you can find that out. <laughs> so, I mean, is that meaning like you're going to be scrolling and there'll just be a huge amount of porn? Will there be like any restrictions around it? Or is it just going to be full-blown, um, you know, free rights? I mean, it sounds like it's just full-blown anything goes. Mm. Um you know, which obviously isn't always ideal. Um, I mean, there was actually an app recently. Um, oh, what was it called? Um, oh, let me look it up. I think it was called Send something. Send or Envelope or something. I've got it here. Just give me one second. And I shall find it. Ah, um, oh, Fling, that's it. It was called Fling. Um, it's still, I think it's still going quite well. So basically, the way Fling works is... You um you kind of take a, a picture and ah yes I I read about yeah. this last week yeah yep. so you basically just send it off and it goes to like I think like thirty random people in the world so um and you get your phone and you end up getting you know thirty random pictures or whatever <laughs> that that, and, reminds, that reminds me actually um speaking of sending photos to random people when I first started up with Snapchat I um added Ben my my boyfriend and I took a photo of myself and sent it to this bin um, username <laughs> and um, I said did you get my photo and and he goes what are you talking about you're always saying you're sending me these videos and photos <laughs> and I never received them and I said well, what's your username and it turns out I've been sending these photos of myself to a complete stranger <laughs> who's accepted me on, on Snapchat <laughs> so whoever it is out there I'm so sorry <laughs> please delete me <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the thing is with Fling is that I thought it was quite an interesting concept, right? You know, be able to send sort of anonymous pictures to people and, um, you know, it's a little bit like Twitter but more sort of picture-based and, you know, it's ethereal as well. So it's a little bit more, um, you know, just a very different vibe. But, I mean, the main problem I had with the app was that, like, literally every fifth message I would receive would be a penis. And it's like yeah. you just can't really get, like, the value out of it when there's just so much of this sort of... Yeah. Um, you know, porn going on in the con- in the in the system as well. So I'm not, I understand why companies want to do this because they want to keep it open. They want to remove the censorship, but it yeah. does. Unless you can kind of contain that and give people a, a way to opt out of it, it does become you know problematic quite quickly. It does mm-hmm. sort of limit the you know the number of people who are going to use your app. It does make it quite hard. So yeah. yeah. 
yeah, I mean, they've always got some a challenge, a few challenges, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, I'll let you know if I get an invitation. Hopefully, with my Kevin always seems to think I have a, a ginormous network of friends, which certainly <laughs> <laughs> so isn't the case. But if I do get an invite, I'll um, I'll have to invite the rest of the team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If you if you are listening to the podcast and you have a um, have an invite, please send it our way. Just go to itsamonkey.com dot com and um, there's a contact address there. You can email it to. Yes, too. yes, please. We'd like yeah. that. All right, James. Well, thanks for for that wrap up. Um, coming next is an interview with the co-founder of Zova. Uh, Zova is a woman's fitness app which uses the rhythm of music to um, help females. Um, uh, complete workouts on their phone so it's a female only fitness app so that interview is coming up the it's a monkey podcast is brought to you by check dog use check dog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors broken links and broken images all with the push of one button CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to CheckDog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. CheckDog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error-free. You're back with It's a Monkey podcast. Uh now, on the other end of my line, I have Niall McCarthy. Now, Niall McCarthy is the co-founder of Zova. Uh, Zova is a female fitness targeted app, um, which has just launched four days ago. Now, I'm sure a lot of our listeners use uh, fitness apps. Uh, a few of you may be uh, aware of, you know, Nike Fuel apps and, um, you know, RunKeeper, but this one is particularly uh, unique. It's targeted primarily to women. So um, this is pri- this is probably one of the main reasons I wanted to get Niall on the other end of the line because I wanted to chat to him about um, Zova and, you know, um, the reason why, um, you know, he's decided to go down the fitness uh, industry with applications. Niall, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome, Chelsea. Thanks, uh, thanks for uh, having me, I guess. Really appreciate it. So Niall, just give me some context as to how you uh, discovered uh, Zova and um, why you chose to build a fitness app. Yeah, of course. Um, put a bit of context to it, uh, Chelsea. So we, myself and my co-founder James, we actually started a number of years ago now um, and the product and Zova was in a, it had a very co- core idea to what we have now but we actually were in a very different space. So we had a, a product that was used by um, education systems, also sports clubs and we rolled it out. Um, essentially, it was a digital program that used rhythm and music to get kids moving and, and, and help with coordination. Um, and we rolled it out to uh, schools and, and sports clubs throughout Australia, the UK, and also in Spain. Um, had a lot of fun with it and uh, it was really successful. But we got to a point um, about 12 months ago where we decided that we always knew there was a possibility to trans kind of take our business into the fitness industry. Um, we were fortunate enough to do so about 12 months ago and with the assistance and kind of guidance of. Um, a very, very well, I guess, very successful entrepreneur, Australian entrepreneur called Brendan Levinson, who uh, founded Jet's 24-hour gym chain. Um, we met him and presented Zover and, and what we'd done previously, and he was extremely excited about uh, James and I's passion and determination to really see Zover, you know, come to life, but more so than anything, the global possibilities it had being a digital product, but also that it was quite neutral um, in its branding and also the possibilities of it, you know, essentially being the next digital Zumba, you could say. So 
that was about 12 months ago and, and here we are as you mentioned four days four days ago we went live and, and excitingly enough we, we were we've uh, been actually featured on the US App Store um, from day one so really exciting stuff so good fun amazing well you must have mm. had quite a few um, downloads to uh, to get there yeah indeed it's it's well the, the funny thing was because you may, you may or may not know um, Apple and, and obviously Google too have, are making a massive play into the health space or health and fitness space. So they've obviously got the wearables. Uh, I know Apple's obviously is, it's early next year, but what the wearable needs is obviously some form of, of software to or, or tech to be able to connect up with. And that's they've launched with what they call their health app or the Apple yep. Health app. Um, and we've we're fortunate enough to, to have enough time to be able to actually integrate Zover with that. So we share data to and from um, the health Apple Health app, and that's a massive op- opportunity for us not only to be able to provide a better experience for our customers, but at the same time is to build a great relationship with Apple. And and as we all know, it's a, they have a fantastic business with a huge marketing reach, I guess. And you know, from day one, we've been able to to be front and center of that, um, lined up with with Apple Health. There has been a few hiccups, as you've probably mm, seen as well. Yeah, and yeah. that was a challenge for for a small startup out of Australia, I must admit. But well, I'm really, really proud of our team that we've been able to pull together and, and work work tirelessly, you could say, over the I last I can't imagine. Months. I mean, mm. particularly with um, a few hiccups when the, with the iOS 8 launch. I mean, yes. how yes. did you go with um, – you obviously had planning and production and then Apple mm-hmm. must have uh, sort of – I mean, maybe you had some sort of inside um, connection with Apple, but they sort of announced yeah, that-, that iOS was going to be launched. Yeah, it was a. Oh, I can I could paint the picture for you, and it's it's very much the adrenaline was kicking. You, you could imagine. So, the, the so as you you may know, the seventeenth was the day they launched um, iOS eight, and then there was the nineteenth, which was both of the phones, the six and the six plus. And we had no idea, and as we all know, Apple are very secretive. So even though we'd been discussing with them, we had no idea when it was dropping and where we would feature and if we would be featured. So we then uh, and obviously whether it can be Australian time, American time. So we woke up. Um, 3 a.m. Uh, I think it was on the on the Thursday, the 17th, um, to obviously the the information that came out, um, and that was focused around. There was a couple of elements to it, but health or the health kit, which is the developer's term, um, was unfortunately pulled. We, I, I guess, from our point of view, is um, you know that those things happen. It was it was a bit of a disappointment and letdown, not so much in that sense, but the adrenaline was just so high. We'd, we'd been able to build it up and waiting for it to go, and, and that didn't happen. But it did actually give us a little bit of leeway to to fix a, fix a few things and kind of take a deep breath, get a few nights sleep, and then get back at it. And we launched as as mentioned on the uh, I think it was Saturday. It went live or Friday night, Saturday. So it's been a roller coaster and one that you know we're really really proud and, and lucky to kind of have this opportunity. And and now it's I guess a really good way is we're at the starting line. So it's. It's all to come, you know. That was the easy point getting there, and now it's it's growing it and dealing with all the issues and all the complications that will come being a, a small startup. So, yeah. now Niall, um, give me a bit of insight into the reason why you chose to specifically niche, uh, you know, a female target. Um, yeah, of course. It's a uh, Chelsea. It's a great question because we get it all the time, as you can imagine, especially when men look at the product and say, "Hey, what about us?" Um, <laughs> Which, and which particularly because it's, it seems like two male co-founders and one yes, yeah, ma- uh, male funder. <laughs> yes, it is very much. So I guess you know, and and that's the we, we've taken a lot of um, we've taken a lot of time over the last couple of months to really kind of understand what is the best place for our the core idea of what we call 
um, our, our guided by rhythm exercises. So if when 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 you download the app or, or if you have and, and when other people do, you'll see that a massive part of what our product is is we have awesome content, really world class content. And the idea is the exercises you perform, rather than just doing them as quick or as slow as you want, you actually perform them in time to the music. And that's a major point of difference. And, and what that does do, so we've, we, that's a massive part of our app. And what we realized from doing that in our testing was it actually really resonated more with women than it did with men, first and foremost. And that was a really strong point. And secondly, too, um, a massive thing of building products is you really have to understand who your market is and who wants your product. Did a lot of testing and women really, they resonated with, with what we were building in our brand and, and everything so much more than men did. And not only that, we did our stats. And, and I think off the top of my head, I think the smartphone users in fit for females is, is close to 100 million. So by no means is it a niche market. It's a very, very big market. So that focus has really put us in a nice place today to kind of be proud of our decisions and, and bold moves to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to focus with women. And, and yes, we are men, but we surround ourselves with really good advisors and, and um, experts to, to make sure that our decisions are also replicated and understood at the same time for women on the other end. So we haven't looked back since making that decision months ago and we're really, really proud of it. And hopefully the product we produce, um, women are really, really excited by and actually use it and, um, and have fun with it too. So that's kind of it. What I really like about um, Zova, I downloaded it today um, and I'm sure everyone will be able to access Zova. Um, it's mm -hmm. just, just a quick question. Is it available on Android yeah. or is it just iOS? Just iOS for the moment. Again, mm -hmm. that's another, another thing that... Um, Many, I guess, tech people would know is it's extremely expensive to build for both and build really well for both. That's our, that's a big thing for us is the quality of the product and the brand was so important and high on our list that the last thing we could do is is try and spread it out too thinly across both. Um, I guess it's also weighed in our favor is Apple have, have seen, you know, looked at looked on it favorably. Um, and also another big thing is there's a lot of a, a high percentage of women in our market actually use iPhones too. So the research helped that decision at the same time. So. And it seems as though you've done a lot of market research before choosing to really go ahead with mm, the production. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> there was a lot of it. And, and I, you know, my kind of advice when I talk to other people in this, in, just in the, the whole kind of building a business space is um, it sometimes can be boring, but, it, geez, it's insightful when you do look back and say, wow, we made some good decisions and not just assumptions but actually well-informed decisions. And it's been really powerful for our team, really, really happy with, you know, I guess the detail we've gone into to this point. Yeah. Um, what I did notice also, um, it seems as though you've sort of got a little bit of a direct marketing approach in some sense where you have female ambassadors. Mm -hmm. now, Absolutely. And um, because I did uh, discover uh, Zova through Instagram, through following mm -hmm. one of your female ambassadors, I thought that mm -hmm. was really um, quite a unique way of introducing an app. Um, mm -hmm. And I haven't seen, I mean, you do get the sort of promotions through Instagram of products, but not specifically apps. Um yeah, and that's probably really paid off um, in a particular sure in particular ways. Yeah, absolutely, and I guess Chelsea, a really good way of, of, of putting things is we're big believers on communities and genuine communities. So the idea around that was we knew that obviously being male, male co-founders as well as Brendan um, is that we needed to obviously bring in a massive female element to what we did. And another thing too, we feel is a lot of apps um, may have uh, often very very much focused around the software and the technology available in the phone or the features. Another big part of Zover is we've got great tech. There's no doubt about it. The app is intuitive and, and, and recommends workouts and is, is plugged into uh, Apple's health app, which is great. And we'll continue that. On the other side of things, as you saw, is we produce all of our content in-house. So all of the audio, all the visuals, all the editing, everything's done internally, which is another massive effort. 
Um, and then the two of those come together, make a great app. But what's missing is what we, we felt we needed was also to bring, you know, real women in that have a passion for life and, and those ambassadors can then inspire and, and empower other women to get active. So you might have a great product, but you also need to be able to connect with people and be real with them. And that's another part that obviously many people would know is Instagram's a phenomenal community itself of people sharing photos and, and videos of, of different things they do in their life. And we reached out to women across the world, not just in Australia. We've got a lot of girls um, or women, I should say, based in the States and also throughout Europe in Asia, a number of them. Um, and I think actually, to be honest, I could probably, I think there's over 100 ambassadors we have now um, and of which they create workouts um, that get featured in the app. So depending upon different lifestyles, so whether they're a surfer, whether they're a lawyer, whether they're a PT or a mum, we work with all different types of people. Um, and then those those workouts are curated and served up depending upon the recommendations in the app. So depending upon the weather, depending on the time of day or your or your ability level, those workouts created by ambassadors then get served up using the tech. So it's a really kind of integrated approach. And and the other thing, Chelsea, it's great given us a really good exposure, obviously on the on Instagram, where a lot of women use it each use it each day to kind of come across new things. So. It's been cool. We've been really proud of it and, and something we want to continue to drive and, and work with not only ambassadors but also our community and what we refer to and they and actually they call themselves as Zova Girls. So it's been great. <laughs> That's very cute. Yeah. <laughs> so um, any plans to create a male version? Um, not, in the, not in the foreseeable future. <laughs> Sorry, boys. No, not. no <laughs> unfortunately, guys, you guys have uh, – there's plenty of other things out there for, for, for guys at the moment. So. I mean, and if guys do hear this, obviously pass it on to your sister, your mum, your girlfriend or, or, or any women in your life as well. So it's, um, it's all good. It's all good. Where I can see um, apps like Zova really um, taking off is, is as, you, as you mentioned before, is with wearables. Now, um, mm -hmm. Android uh, have released a few watches. Uh, well, Android, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, software which can be run on wearables yep. and I believe Apple iWatch is coming out next next year early next year they're planning and so then, we're um, yeah yeah Mo Moto it's, 360s um, due soon as well which is the one mm -hmm. I really like <laughs> Okay, cool. Like, I'm assuming you're you're an Android user yourself. Is no, that the case? Or I'm, I'm not? actually okay. not. No, I I just yeah. really I'm a designer, so I really uh, like the look okay. of the Moto 360. And um, I mean, Nike and I believe um, the TomTom Tom, um, partnered mm -hmm. together, where mm -hmm. Nike sewed in a TomTom Tom chip into their footwear, which would mm -hmm. sync with the Nike app. I mean, is there? Where do you foresee Zova, and you know, going in the future with wearables or you know, partnering with other companies? Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 speaking on behalf of our team here. So, and and there, that's a massive. We, we're really fortunate. I, I'll I'll mention that too. We've got a fabulous team of very very talented and passionate people that see that the wearable and the technology space for us is really where we can we can do some cool things. So I'll, I'll paint a picture for the possibilities. And again, I. I I highlight the possibilities is um, a major part of our of our experience obviously is this rhythm so performing say a, a sit up for example no actually let's use a squat example so performing a squat has a rhythm but there's also that movement pattern that comes with the squat as well so the idea around a wearable is the the m8 chip that sits in your phone but also the the watch as well, and we don't know all the specifics around it just yet. There's a very limited amount released, but the idea around motion tracking, so we can actually see whether someone's performing that exercise and the quality of that movement, which is a massive thing around helping with results and also motivation is one thing. 
and that's really cool and really exciting for our team. Another opportunity, um, Chelsea, that we see is obviously the ability to make working out even simpler and even easier for people. So the idea around simple notifications um, through the watch, say, and also to be able to skip a swap, push different exercises up depending upon where someone's at in the workout. So say that an exercise is too fast or too slow, the ability to quickly swipe or, or be able to use that phone interaction is another really cool thing as well. Um, and then I'd say a third thing as well is the the ability to be able to serve up the information that's required for the workout. So a phone, is, and especially the sixes, they're quite large, and how practical that is for someone to do a burpee or, or a you know, more intense exercise, and maybe the watch can provide that information very simply and conveniently for someone when they're doing a workout. So there's kind of simplicity, but there's also the idea about adding value to the workout and then serving back that data too. So really possibilities are endless, and, and we – we're very much on the wave of that and, and very excited about what we can build for Zover and, and the experience we can provide for our for our um, for the women using the app as well. Great. Now, um, you mentioned notifications um, mm -hmm. and that sort of brings me to my next question. I find um, user retention with, with fitness apps is something that is quite difficult to crack. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I've downloaded a few, I've deleted a few, I've re-downloaded a few, and I've found mm -hmm. that it's really important to ensure that you use them on a frequent basis to really get the, um, you know, the the full Absolutely. capacity. No, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's a major part of, so our, our business is very much based around this this. Three main things. Obviously, there's the downloads. That's one thing. So people having the phone available. But the idea of completing a workout is massive. Then repeating a workout is the next thing. And then at the point then where they become they become someone who's connected with the app. So from our point of view, as we know that very much fitness comes in cycles for people's lives. So whether it's based off events. So let's say someone's getting married or Christmas or summer, depending upon that. Also, depending on what – and it's often done then in short cycles too. So we base actually business. Business model around weekly cycles rather than monthly or yearly. So the idea of that is people often dip into a cycle, I want to get fit or I want to get a little bit healthier. That may go for a cycle of a week, for three weeks, 12 weeks, you name it. Um, and the idea then for us about that retention is and, and push notifications as such, we haven't put we haven't launched with push notifications because you probably know as much as any poorly timed push notifications are the worst thing. I, I personally believe that they're just terrible. Like I'm sitting at my desk, I'm nowhere near gonna work out, but you're telling me to work out. So what we've actually done is take a step back and understand that we know that people are going to dip in and out of cycles. We do have tracking around our app and we're able to see when people use it and that's one number I'm, I won't say what it is, but I'm extremely, extremely excited about the, the completion rate of workouts even four days in. It's actually, it's much higher than we expected already um, and I think that's partly because it's a new experience but also that we've built it so simply there's no blocker to get in. You can get straight in, do a workout, a 10-minute workout within 10 minutes and 20 seconds. And that's the thing for us. I think simplicity initially is a big thing. The workouts are all different types of, of abilities and also and, and lengths of time. And then what we see um, Chelsea moving forward is then introducing plans and scheduling and, and, and reminders depending upon what we learn from the initial, uh, the initial feedback of the app as well. So build things in when we actually get um, feedback rather than assume a lot. So that's where we're at at the moment, and and um, I'm I look forward to chatting again and kind of telling you where that where that develops and where we go. Yeah, no, it's um it seems like you've got a, a lot of intelligence behind uh, what seems <laughs> to be a very simple, uh, intuitive uh, female uh, workout app. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Are you able to share with us um, your downloads so far? Unfortunately, not. That's um that's one thing we've we. 
I would love to personally, you know, but um, I think it's, I think from our point of view and where our business is, we've got to be cautious of that. And that's not because of the numbers in particular, but it's more so that we, um, we just don't know where it's going to go in regards to, it's changing daily, it's the best way to put it, if not hourly, I should say. Um, but yeah, the, the numbers, they're very positive, but more so the actual, um, the metrics inside that are even more impressive, I would say. So people completing workouts and timing up is much higher than we had initially expected. So exciting times. And the other thing too, Chelsea, we're only four days in, so um, give us give us a little bit more and we might be able to share a little bit more, I guess. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um. One more question. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you, you said that you, you know, obviously uh, Australian sort of based app, mm-hmm. but it's also yep. international. So um, majority of our listeners are based in the US. Cool. Um, really? Now, you, I've noticed that the ambassadors from um, my end are, I believe, Australian based. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that mean yeah. that the users in uh, the US, they'll have American based trainers? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So we see localization of our experience being something we want to develop out um, in the not too distant future. So what we're where we're at at the moment is we have um, a mix of different women from around the world as ambassadors, and obviously people using the app too. So where we see in a lot of the research is a lot of people like to travel, or they like to kind of it's almost like the home away from home. So we've got some people really resonate with a trainer or, or an ambassador lives in California or New York if they're from say Australia and vice versa. So we've kind of set it up as though depending upon what women, what woman like you're you're empowered by or where she lives that's a massive thing. But as we grow and as our experience develops, we actually can see the ability to localize not only the ambassadors but also the types of content depending upon where you live, what the weather's like, what the time of day is. And that's where our it seems a very simple app is actually extremely intelligent, but we don't throw that in front of you we keep it to ourselves and just yeah. and serve up it's very subtle workouts. I yeah, like that absolutely and um, I mean what would be great and I'm not sure if this is something uh, it's a functionality that you're planning on integrating soon or it's something that you're not interested in is being able to share with your friends so uh, yes I would <laughs> I would like to see yep. I would like to see, you know, Ashley. Actually, I do boot camps every morning with a girlfriend called mm-hmm. Ashley, and we love it. And but sometimes, funny enough, we we sometimes are a little bit stumped as to you know what workouts are good for us, which ones you know work well in sequences. So having a, an app like Zova, um, you know, in our pockets because we all always take our iPhones is is fantastic. Yeah. But it'd be great yeah. if we could interact and and share our successes and and maybe sort of be accountable to the exercises that we're doing every day. Yeah, that's a that's a really and obviously as you know the motivation around things is a lot. Particularly, women like to work out um, with with their friends or with bigger groups at the same time with themselves. So not all always is it available to go to your boot camp or go to your gym. You may want to work out at home where you're traveling. So there's so many different things that come with people's lives and when they can and can't work out. And that the ability to extend that and bring in content that's partnered and also to be able to, be able to share. I've done this. I've done that is a major thing. But you may have seen Chelsea before. There there are a number of apps around that motivation and sharing and kind of community based within the fitness space and I personally don't think anyone has captured that market entirely from our point of view is we want to provide the best workout experience on the iPhone that's our number one goal and what comes with that is obviously to, to build that build out that experience that we enhance that and bring in community and sharing around it but what we were cautious of is our first version is not to try and bloat the app with too many things um, what we do do is a little secret surprise so when you do complete a workout we do provide you a little uh little something nice as well. So that's only for people obviously that complete a workout that see that. <laughs> All right, girls. Yeah, exactly right. So get those workouts um, completed and you'll see a little little surprise or a little gift, I guess, that comes at the end. Um, and we're going to continue to expand that and really 
make it so that's value adding rather than just in your face. I think that's a really big thing we've learned, and not only from fitness apps but apps in general. If it's intuitive to the experience around working out rather than here you go, I need you to share to all these different places, it's actually it's not as effective as, as you may think. So again, watch this space. We, we're going to do some really cool things when it comes to the community, in, including ambassadors, including the, the Zova girls that use the app, and obviously their friends and family around that at the same time. So cool things to come. Yeah, it looks like you've got a um, busy few sort of months ahead of you. Sure, do. With the, I guess timing couldn't be better for us is that the focus on health and fitness is one thing within the Apple ecosystem, but in general, but also you've got the New Year's kind of resolutions aren't too far away. Um, and some well, summer in Australia, absolutely, and and then um, and then this this watch launch at some point next year. So yeah, our roadmap's very much filled with lots of awesome things and products. Oh, sorry, not products, features and, and content to come. So exciting times for Zover, I guess, and, and the people using it. Now, look, we'll have to tee up a uh, an interview in six months' time and reflect. Mm-hmm. Please do. Yeah, that would be awesome. Hopefully, there's um. Hopefully, I can share a little bit more in regards to numbers, not four days. In, so. <laughs> I was a bit ambitious there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's all good. Uh, no, I, I, if, if I was you, I'd definitely ask the question. Um, I've got to keep my lips sealed there, unfortunately. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. Look, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. I really appreciate um, giving me the time to kind of give a little bit of an insight into who we are and what we've, what we've done thus far and where we're going. And if, if I can do a, a plug is um, hey, if someone wants to get the app to, to head to um, get.zover.com so it's the link that directly goes to the app store to, regardless of where you are in the world so get.zover.com okay fantastic alright awesome. then thank you I had to put that in there <laughs> no, alright thanks again for your call and um, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll track everything thank you very much Chelsea and uh, look out for that surprise when you complete a workout cheers thank you bye right, bye the It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by Manage Flitter with Manage Flitter, you can easily find out who isn't following you back, find new people to follow, track keywords on Twitter, and schedule tweets for the most appropriate times. Tweet code MONKEY2 at Manage Flitter to receive a one-month free budgie account. You're back with It's a Monkey podcast. It's episode 47 today. James, what did you think about uh, Zova? Uh, look, I thought it was an app specifically for me. It was really relevant to what I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really resonated. <laughs> really resonated. Yeah, yeah. Workout apps for women. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, in my target <laughs> You know, I was thinking, I wonder how many men out there have actually downloaded it <laughs> and they just ignore it, you know? Um, I, I, I did take a look at their website and it did look like it had some really nice UX. So I, I actually, I would, I would download it just to see what it looked like. But um, yeah, no, not obviously not, not the app itself is not, not my sort of um, expertise area of expertise. Have, yeah. have you played around with it much? Um, I haven't. I was, I went to on a run this morning and I was, I was meant to to give it a go. And I'll, I've, I've had a look and I have downloaded it. And um, I'm quite familiar with exercise apps because I've got a few yoga ones where they, they guide you through, you know the sequences and the and the positions and it's similar in a sense however the UI and the UX is beautiful um, and it's, it's very intuitive and easy to use and, and what I do like about um, the way that they've built Zover is that they've started with the basics first and, and they haven't gone full out full blown with too many features they've really simplified um, the UI and made it a very easy sort of workout experience um, 
I find some of these uh, workout apps are just, they have so many features and, you know, they, they push you to share things and, um, and then they have all these different bonus points and, and the, the navigation isn't as intuitive. But I think that's where Zover has really came out in front. Yeah, no, it does look like it's really interesting. I mean, it's a very, very hot space right now. Um, you know, I think they have sort of launched at a time that um, that, that is, you know, great to be around. I mean, they, they obviously will hopefully get a bit of traction with, you know, Apple mm. releasing all its help, help, uh, health kit um, data. I mean, I don't know how closely they're integrated, but I presume there's something there that they, they work with. Um, and obviously once, um, you know, the Apple Watch comes out, they're positioned, you know, just at the right time to sort of capture that market and... And, um, and do interesting stuff with it. And, um, and yeah, no, it sounds great what they're doing. I mean, it, it's a real sensible way to start a business as well is sort of find, you know, a targeted niche that, you know, works well and that you can kind of, um, you know, work to sort of contain and understand and then, then grow from there if they, do, if they do expand beyond it. So, mm. yeah, no, it sounds like a fantastic uh, product. It sounds like they really know what they're doing as well. Yeah, no, um, I mean, based on our, our conversation, that it seems as though they did a huge amount of research beforehand. I mean, they really knew what they were getting into um, before developing uh, Zova. And, and it seems to sort of go nicely, um, you know, ties in nicely with the females on Instagram. I'm not sure if you've, you follow many Fitspo accounts, but um, they sort of leverage off um, the following of these um, ambassadors and... Um, I think that's where they're probably picking up quite a few downloads is, um, you know, sharing through Instagram and having these ambassadors um, with their communities. And um, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I can really see it, it, it blowing up. And um, I absolutely, as I said, I wish them the best of luck. And it's exciting to see where they go next. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's a perfect time. I mean... There's there's some other there's lots of interesting sort of takes on, on this sort of market of the you know the app sort of being your companion for um, for working out and doing different different things. I mean, um, I mean the one of the ones I I really like is um, the Run Zombie Run. I think I posted that on our company. <laughs> or have, you, have you seen that one? Yeah, well, speaking about this, I believe um, in, a, in a team meeting. Do you want to just expand yeah. on that a little bit? Yes, yeah, so the way the way it works is it's um, basically you put in headphones and you, you plug it in, and so it's kind of like a, a soundtrack. Um, and so basically, it gives you like a little bit of a story. Um, and basically, what it what it does the, the theory, you know, the concept behind it is is that it's kind of like the zombie apocalypse, and at various times, you know, zombies are coming out and they're chasing after you and they're trying to attack you. And obviously, you know, this plays out through the audio. But the app is kind of intelligent. It kind of knows, you know, when you've kind of been walking a bit more slowly, you know, when you need to speed it up, when you start running. Um, and so it kind of tries to sort of um, prompt you, I guess, try and like optimize your workout, but really while telling like a narrative as well. And Amazing. so, you know, if you run far enough and fast enough, then you kind of escape the zombies. And obviously if you don't, then you get attacked. Um, and it's complemented by sort of a point system as well. So actually within the app, it's actually a game. So you actually have like a... Um, a little town that you build up and, you know, you can defend and, and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of can do things in the town based on the actual physical, physical activity you've been doing. Um, so that's kind of like a really nice sort of concept, I think, of actually tying sort of um, gamification and apps and sort of that, that sort of ecosystem, but also doing something that's really good for you as well mm. and, and motivating. Mm. Um, 
I can definitely see that taking off within, um, you know, the the, like the kids market. Um, I mean, I think yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People... Gates, yeah, people like me who <laughs> <laughs> need some motivation other than just running. So. <laughs> In fact, I might get um, Andre, one of our developers, onto that and we can go because Andre's <laughs> been running a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see we yeah. can compete against each other. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the point as well. You kind of get this town and then I think you can kind of compete against other people. It has sort of that social networking aspect to it as well. So, um, but yeah, every, every, all of these all these apps is a very interesting space. I mean, it's, it's such a, um, I think it's the kind of market as well that's going to be very broad. Like I don't think there's going to be like one single winner. I mean, everybody has their own different style and their a different approach mm. to to working out and, um, and the relationships with their kind of phone and their technology and how they want that to integrate with their workouts. So, yeah, I think there's lots of room for you know different different concepts here. So yeah, and I think they're doing great stuff. It's gonna be interesting to see how they evolve and yeah. over the next few years. Well, I um, what I would really love to see, and I'm pretty sure there'd be something out there. But um, we're speaking about wearables uh, in the uh, in the conversation, and it's becoming uh, increasingly concerning for you know health professionals, and um, and it's been. Um, sort of a lot it's becoming it's coming up a lot in the media how sitting um we're slowly dying because we're sitting so much so i'd love to have some sort of uh, wearable maybe just a little chip or something like it and and a hairpin or maybe something attached to my headphones that that tracks you know how long i've been sitting down for and um just a little vibration maybe on my fitbit to say all right charles get up start moving well what's funny you say that um, so instead of getting the Moto 360, maybe you should get the Apple Watch because it does exactly that. You're joking. <laughs> no, one of its core, so it's got like three indicators for like your, your, your health throughout the day. And it has like one indicator is to make sure that you've stood up for at least, I think it's like 10 minutes or five minutes every hour. And it's, right. I think gives you like a little buzz if you don't. So yeah, it does pretty much exactly that. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty loyal to the 360. And I'm not. I was a little disappointed when I saw the Apple Watch. I thought, even though maybe the 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 software is, is, is you know on top, but I just I just thought, oh, it's a it's a chunky square. Like it looks like it looks like a gadgety geeky watch. I wanted something that was a little bit more subtle. Yeah, I don't know. I think you'd have to probably see it in person and see. I think the Moto 360 is quite quite large as well, and it's. Um, and it's um, you know vertical dimension off the hand, so mm. maybe you should get one of each, one of each hand, and see which one you like. <laughs> yeah, sure, James. I'll just put it on the company. <laughs> I'll put it as research. <laughs> well, Kevin's not here, so we'll have to now. It's oh, yeah, part of the podcast true. budget. That's, so that's what happens. Okay, all right. We'll be we'll be back on that. We'll we'll do a review, an yep. iWatch review. Both both hands, yeah, each device. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James. Well, it's fantastic speaking. Um, Kevin will be back on next week's podcast. Um, you know, please let us know how you felt about this episode. If you loved me, if you hated me, it's okay. I can I can take honesty. Um, and yeah, um, you know, James. Thanks again, and we'll we'll see you in two weeks' time. Cool. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, James. Bye.